0: Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. Dr. Wiles, Katie, and myself, Luke Stare, are here in the studio talking about family. Uh, It's a great conversation. It's a meaningful conversation. It's not always an easy conversation when we talk about our families. But we hope that you will stick with us for what has turned out to be the longest episode of Tell Me More yet.
1: Okay, welcome to this week's Tell Me More. I'm excited to be in here, one, because I like these people I'm with, Luke and Dr. Wiles. We do have fun. We do have fun. And I'm excited because we just ended a very good sermon series with Easter, the Easter season Lent, really, around here. And Dr. Wiles, I really enjoyed walking through John with you. Let me just say that. But we have launched yesterday a new series that's very practical, very pragmatic, Mm -hmm. very uh, here and now. And it's on the family. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which nobody really knows much about, cares about it doesn't really have, it's all easy. It doesn't really intersect their and life. They're not emotional about it at all. no, it's yeah. very um. I'd say it's akin to you know was Jesus always preeminent? Like did Jesus always exist, <laughs> right. or was he made? Yeah, no. Sometimes Kirk Rice makes fun of that argument because he's like, what difference does it make in yeah. our life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, family. You don't have to convince people. Talking about family makes a difference in our lives. So pretty important. Mm-hmm. And well, with that, I thought before we get into the sermon and the text, and that mm-hmm. um, we're all part of families. Mm-hmm. And I know most people that listen to this, most people that listen to this, we know we can mm-hmm. see their faces. They talk to us on Sunday mornings, but not everybody. And even if they know us, let's not assume that they know everything about just our own little nuclear families. And so I thought Mm -hmm. before we go any further, we'll probably be referencing our family. So why don't we just introduce our families to Mm -hmm. these people? If y'all will. Mm -hmm. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Good. So Mm -hmm. Luke, you want to go first? When when I say, tell me about your family, who would you, what does that make you think of? Like, who would you introduce us to?
0: I mean, I would have to start with my wife. His name is Kelsey. She's a kindergarten teacher.
1: Speaking of. You a did a good job. She's mm-hmm. she's a she's she lovely awesome. she's a lovely person. A big fan. Mm-hmm. Yes, big
0: fan of Kelsey. Yes, mm-hmm. um, she is teaching kindergartners right now. Unless you think that is mm-hmm. a job for the faint of heart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just can't walk into a kindergarten classroom for a day and take that on. Make up <laughs> for teachers. Um, and then we have two girls. They're six and three. Evelyn is our oldest. Uh, she starts gymnastics today. She's pumped. <gasps> I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear about that. Um, mm-hmm. I can't either. It's going to be interesting. And then we have Lucy, who's three. Um, and she's just a really fun, spunky kid. Mm-hmm. She is um, so cute. Both of them. Yeah, we have beautiful daughters. I'm very fond of them. My parents live in Round Rock, Texas. My mom's a teacher. My dad's a minister. And Good. then I have one brother. Yes. We're
1: even talking about our parents. I love it. Um, I really well, do. Well, you
0: know, I think no, because we we're if we're going to
1: talk about our families. <laughs> mm-hmm. What you what were you raised in and born into, mm-hmm. and then what are you now creating for yourself? That's that's very relevant. Yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah, and then I have a brother. Who is married? They live in Florida. They have two kids. They're a lot of fun. We don't get to see them as much as we would like, but we talk on the phone and FaceTime a Mm -hmm. lot. I'm very thankful for FaceTime. So, yeah.
1: And I see you a lot at our church with your uh, Kelsey's sister. Yeah. And her new family. So, my
0: wife's sister lives in South Texas. They come up periodically. And then my mother in law lives in Northern Arkansas. I get to see them a lot too. My wife and I are both natives of the Oz. Well, I'm not a native of the Ozarks, but that's where I grew up. I'm a native. Up St. Louis, so mm,
1: there you go. Okay, that's see. I feel like if I'm listening, I know you better.
0: Yeah, that's just, why I don't sound like I'm and from it's Texas.
1: Fascinating, but <laughs> it, you feel like it, truly known people feel like they know you by knowing your family relationships. Isn't that interesting? I yeah. mean, just like the bigger picture of who you are at an identity level. You know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pastor.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, I uh, I would say I'm the youngest child in my family. Um, my parents are from Georgia, a little town called Griffin outside Atlanta, and um, they were um, both parts of big families and both the youngest in their families. My mom was the ninth baby born in her family. My dad was the 13th, and uh, they got married when well, they were teenagers. Well, I'm just, that just
1: hit me. <laughs> just <processing laughs> yeah. that. That's right. a lot of babies.
2: It is. My, my mm-hmm. grandmother... Granny Wiles, as she was known, she was dead before I was born. But she didn't have twins or triplets, though. So she had, and all the children are two years apart. So for 26 years, every yeah, year she had that a baby. Math. Yeah, so she had 13. God bless her. And uh, Daddy mm. was the last one. Mm. Um, she was 48 when Daddy was born. So wow. Wow. Um, so, but my parents. I'm just taking uh, all that in. Give me a minute. Give me a half step. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> so they, uh, when the war broke out, World War II, Daddy was blind in one eye, and so he couldn't he couldn't serve in the military. Mm. And they were working in a they were um worked at a cotton mill in, in Griffin. Well, a plea went out from Birmingham where US steel had gotten established and asking for men who were unable to go fight to come and work because we were building ships and planes and yeah, tanks fuel. and we needed sheet metal and you know, all that. So my mom and dad moved to Birmingham to help with the war effort hmm. in uh nineteen forty two. And so they made a home there, and that's where we were all reared. I have an, an older sister and two older brothers. My sister's dead now, but my two brothers are uh, older than I am, but we're very close. <clears throat> Talk all the time, most mm-hmm. every week, sometimes every day, depending on what's going on in the sports world or the religious <laughs> world. <laughs> you know, They're ministers, uh, too. They are. My oldest brother was a pastor for many, many years. Retired, and now he's pastoring again in his retirement age. Mm-hmm. My brother Tommy has been a bivocational pastor for many years, and so he's not pastoring right now, but he was into the IT world. Mm-hmm. lives in Virginia, mm-hmm. and my brother Emerson lives in South Carolina. And, uh, and then Cindy and I met in college, although we were, um, we were born in the same hospital. We were delivered by the same doctor, and we were in the nursery together. I had no for, idea. For three days. Isn't that wild? And uh, then we met so in are y'all college.
1: So y'all are that close in birth Dink. Yes,
2: she's three days older than I am. Now
1: that I'm not sure I knew about. I knew all those facts, but I hadn't put them together. Yeah, yeah.
2: And so, uh, not wild. Yeah. Yeah, just meant to be. Just marriage made in heaven. And um, <laughs> we met in college, and uh, but I knew I'd seen her before. I could tell. You mm-hmm. know, there was something about her. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you had uh, seen her in yeah. the nursery. In the nursery for three days. <laughs> <laughs> she made that much of an impression.
1: That's exactly right. right.
2: And uh, but her dad was an airplane pilot, so they they moved some, and my parents stayed there in Birmingham but we met in college and uh, became really, just really good friends. We both were on um, medical tracks. Cindy was preparing for physical therapy school. I was preparing for medical school. And when we got engaged, um, she had been accepted, I guess, to PT school and I was getting ready for the MCAT and all that. Decided God had called us to ministry. So we left all that and, Came to Fort Worth, went to seminary, and so we've done this all these years. And uh, we uh, we have two children who are grown, and uh, they live here in Arlington, Hannah and Josiah. And we have five grandchildren now, so mm. which we are very excited about. We love these grandkids. It's a big part of your I'll life I highly right recommend now. them. <clears throat> Should have had them first, is what I usually say. And uh, <laughs> But uh, they're a lot of fun. But uh, we love our kids, love our family. And my mom and dad. Some of the people in our church remember them because when we moved here, my parents lived with us. They lived with us for about twenty years, mm-hmm. mother and daddy. Mm-hmm. And um, but they've they've both died now, and so, um, so we've had that multi generational family. I showed that clip. Yeah, from you the had Waltons the Walton experience. Yeah, my kids would recognize that as normal. They're used to my grand, mm-hmm. my dad sitting at the table, mm-hmm. waxing eloquent about. Whatever the topic mm-hmm. was, and
1: your and, uh, your grandkids, although you don't live together, yeah. they're having a multi generational experience. They as well. are. We, we still have eat. a lot of family meals we do. weekly. We,
2: and- we eat. Uh, Cindy cooks lunch every Sunday, and so it's a standing invitation. So the the kids and grandkids they eat pretty much our house every Sunday and sweet. So um and then usually uh one day during the week so,
3: mm. yeah. Yeah. so we're
2: we're family oriented for sure. It's a good
1: thing
3: to be. Mm -hmm.
1: I think so. I think we will talk about that in a bit, about Mm -hmm. how proven it is that being family oriented is healthy Mm -hmm. for you. And maybe God even made it that way. Okay, I'll I'll go quickly. Um, My nuclear family, uh, my parents, um, my dad was a banker. My mom was a dental hygienist. This is one thing about my parents that I love and I take with me into ministry life because they weren't ministers, although active in their church. My parents were excellent in their careers, but left it at work. And pretty much got off at 5 every day and then were very involved parents. And it was very cool because I, I realize now that that's not always the case. But they were at every event. Um, anyway, but never really brought home work. Didn't really have like a home office they were locked up in all the time. Just competent in their fields, left it at home, really good parents, back at work on Monday. Which for a minister, for me being a minister, that's a really helpful model for me to have boundaries because, you know, that's not the case with us. So anyway. Um, they're retired now and live in the best grandparent life that they can. I think they're very happy in this age. But, um, and then my nuclear f- my nuclear family is my husband, Ryan. We met at Truett Seminary. And... You
0: also married well.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I am reminded of that in this very interesting season of triplet parenting that I married well and made a good choice there. Um, thank you, God. So I'm married to Ryan, and we've been married – it'll be four years in a couple wow. weeks, which feels like in some ways – Um, that's gone very quickly. And in some ways we've been married 20 years, you know, we're just settled in, but COVID did that too. We got married pre, we we were married 10 months when the pandemic hit. So that just slows down time and all that. So, um, yes, but I am married to Ryan. He's a minister as well. He's delightful. He's, um, I think we complement each other extremely well. He's a good dude. And then now we have three children that are the exact same age. (laughs) Really? That's called triplets. Minutes apart. Uh, Yeah. Jack, Sam, and Ben. And they're um, delightful five months. They'll be five months on Friday. And they are sweet and uh, growing into their personalities. And it looks like we will have three distinct sons. I mean, they are their own people. Just very fascinating. I love it. I'm so glad, truly, that they're not identical and that they don't act the same. Because, you know, they'll always be triplets. And so it's good for me that they have their own thing going, mm. you know. I think the older they get, the less they'll be. Uh, known by that moniker and I, I want that for them. So that's my I have a brother and he has his own little family and they live in my hometown. So they see my parents a lot. Um and I have a niece and a nephew that are also very cute and very lovable. So that's my family. That's the fun. Hodges. <laughs> yeah. And my in laws are a real big part of our life. They come over a lot and help. So, you know, I I yeah. married into a good family, which I'm grateful for because as y'all know, that can be hard too.
3: It can. Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. if you marry someone who comes from a mess mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to work on families. You know what you and what you bring into your own marriage and mm-hmm. what they bring mm-hmm. can be really hard. So I'm, I am thankful for mm-hmm. Christy Drake raising them right and all that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get into all that, Indeed. I'm sure. So well, yes. thank you all for entertaining me in that. I just think if we're going to talk about family and allude to our own families, mm-hmm. we might as well just let everybody in on that. So yep. if you're listening and you want to tell us about your family, just go ahead and email me. Yep. I yeah, I want to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Or if you have questions, which people have submitted questions for, for and this podcast. It makes us better. It, mm. does. it does. And
1: yeah. it's in there good questions. Okay. And we're gonna
0: get to one question that was submitted for today. Yeah. In a little bit. Um
1: yeah. and if you're asking it, other people probably are too. Yeah, sure. you know? yeah. So we love that, really. Okay. Well, Luke, you've got a direction you want us to go.
0: I, yeah, I have some thoughts. Okay. Um, Hit me with that. And it. I'll say first, I think while family is universal, I think we all recognize the sensitivity and just difficulty that comes <laughs> with family life. Mm-hmm. And there, are, as you talked about on Sunday, Dr. Wiles, there are a multitude of family mm-hmm. situations. Um, so not all families are alike. That's right. Um, Amazing, isn't it? I, would, I don't think there are any two families that are exactly alike. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their stuff. Yep. And that stuff varies in level of intensity or difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to try to be sensitive to that, I think, as we talk, mm-hmm. just as you were on Sunday. Mm-hmm. One of the things. Absolutely. That I (coughs) thought of uh, when you were preaching, you talked about in Genesis, the first thing in the world that gets declared as not good is that the man is alone. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is a really interesting statement in the Bible, but I I was bringing this up with y'all before we started recording. Medical science has actually just demonstrated how bad loneliness is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to share some stats from uh, the Center for Disease Control with the United States. Um, and just to kind of mm-hmm. illustrate the damaging effects of loneliness, and mm. we can talk about the that fact a little that the bit.
1: CDC is even commenting on loneliness. Fascinating, right? I it mean, is, it? it almost feels like it's not shouldn't be in their realm, right? But it's physically affecting people so much that it becomes a yeah. a medical. Anyway, it's just yeah, the
0: Center for Disease Control is talking it's about commenting a social on phenomenon. <laughs> loneliness.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that should make you perk up that mm-hmm. they're even. Yeah. Thinking through it. So okay. So I'm
0: not making these up. These are from the CDC yeah, website. He's got
1: I'm I will vouch he's got data up on you know on I'm an, a, on a, I am a, on
0: CDC.gov. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's not just waxing um, eloquently. Okay.
0: So social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes, a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Gosh. Mm. Social isolation was associated with about a fifty percent increased risk of dementia. Poor social relationships, characterized by social isolation or loneliness, was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. Mm. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. And loneliness among heart failure patients was associated with a nearly four times increased risk of death, 68% increased increased risk of hospitalization and a 57 percent increased risk of emergency department visits
3: luke mm. i mean literally staggering
2: it's killing people mm-hmm. it's obviously not good
3: right
1: and it's, I, I think this is i'll Science do, a, right. do a, it. it's just verified i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do a dennis wild <laughs> state in the obvious but it makes it so glaringly obvious that we are more than just physical beings right because if we we're just if we just needed to eat right and exercise Mm -hmm. and get enough sleep or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All the basics of maintaining a physical Mm -hmm. health, Mm -hmm. then something like an abstract thought of loneliness Mm -hmm. would not play in at all. Yeah, It's mm -hmm. just so Mm -hmm. obvious that we're made for so much more Mm -hmm. than just like keeping our bodies alive.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's something deeply spiritual about this social dimension of our lives. So Mm -hmm. talking about family is not Mm -hmm. just a sociological exploration. It's, there's something deeply
2: spiritual here about you're made us, for, yeah. And you're and you're mm. not born alone. No,
1: no one in the history of the world. Right,
2: when you're born into a family,
1: it literally into the arms of your family. I mean, right. you're connected to and your mother yeah. when you're born.
2: Yeah, we have to disconnect.
1: Yes, I mean, and then just <laughs> put you right back in the arms, that's right. and and then reconnect you to, for life. That's I right. mean, that's <laughs> it's just how it works. Yes, <clears throat> it's
2: the way God designed. It's a beautiful thing. It and, is, uh, but. You know, I guess you could say you could be alone without being lonely, which I think is true, but most healthy people that are alone, they may have moments and uh, I guess, you know, where they're alone, live by themselves or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't mean single, because that's, Cause that's I mean. a totally different it's thing. When you're You are not be in a crowded
2: home and be alone, you know, and you could be single lonely. and
1: that's not right. alone.
2: That's what I mean. So course, to me, it's right. different yeah. than saying, well, I, I live alone. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are just cut Lonely. off from any contact of yeah. real relationships, and when that loneliness sets in, mm-hmm. it's devastating. Like you just said, it's a, it's almost epidemic. You know, when you hear those statistics, um, and it's just to me reminds me that family settings are incredibly important because that's where those core relationships are forged. That's how you learn how to do it. You know, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. One
0: you know, of the we have a, I'm going to do my shameless plug really fast. We have a group for dads of young kids that meets on Zoom at 9 p.m. If you're interested, email us.
1: Ooh, say that again. Okay.
0: Dads of young kids. It's called Dudes Being Dads.
1: Love it. It's right. at 9 p.m.
0: on Zoom. So if you have young kids, we're meeting together, but we're reading a book called Habits of the Household. Mm-hmm. And the author talks about how our families are these little schools of love. Mm. So they're... The places as our in families
1: learning. Like we're learning.
0: Are the places we learn love. It's I where love we learn that. how to love God and love our neighbors. We yep. do that as we fight with our siblings and, <laughs> and try to identify ourselves as distinct from our parents. All those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We learn that in our family. That. I like so that. That's been a line that's been in my head lately. Little
1: schools of love. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, Hodges School of Love, 15111 yeah. one, 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 Drive, <laughs> every day. Kind of,
0: you may want to edit that address out. <laughs> oh, I
1: feel like the whole church knows where we live. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't <laughs> it's we? It's like, I'll tell you the code to the door, too, if you want to come wash a bottle or something.
3: <laughs> oh, but, Pastor,
1: what? I mean, when you, you've been studying this, you've been reading mm-hmm. up, obviously, mm-hmm. this kind of got crafted with you and God. Mm-hmm. What What sticks out to you? Mm-hmm. What would you want to talk more about?
2: Well, I think the beginning of the conversation is what i tried to share Sunday morning, that mm-hmm. this all is God's idea in the first place. That That's why I think family is, it's a universal phenomenon. I mean, everywhere you go in the world, there are families. And, uh, you know, every time we go to Africa, we do a lot of work in West Africa, and we've been all over West Africa. Um, it's fascinating to me that whenever you meet someone, In almost every West African cultural setting, the first part of any conversation is about your family. Mm -hmm. They don't, rarely do they ask you what you do. Hmm. They're more interested in who you are and who you are is defined by your family. Yeah. Who's your your dad? Who are you related to? Do you have children? How are your children? Where are your children? How old are your children? You know, um, and so... They are very interested that that's the context for them to even have a conversation with you you know and um and I think it it is a it defines us and and I believe that's the way the Lord intended it he He designed us to be born into families, and that's why families are so important. <clears throat> I realize it's some can be a controversial conversation because when you start talking about your family, it just strikes right at the heart of who you are, and for some people it can be a painful conversation because mm-hmm. their families have have been very dysfunctional and have made it difficult on them, but for others, um you know it's been a more pleasant experience, but regardless, it touches all of us mm-hmm. and so I just wanted to begin Sunday by pointing out this is god's idea in the first place, but also some of the statistics that I shared with the church Sunday morning, just about how how different the family landscape is today mm-hmm. I'm not sure that we've all grasped. That you know mm-hmm. when you say that you know 1960, which on the one hand you say, my guess 1960," but that's really only a little over a generation ago. If you if you give a generation 40 to 60 years ish, you know, yeah. so in one generation we've gone from almost one half of households in America would have been a mom, a dad, and at least one child. Mm-hmm. That nuclear family now that's only 19 percent of the households in America. Well, that is that's quite a drastic change in terms of the landscape Mm -hmm. of what we're dealing with on a regular basis so that means that eight out of ten people who show up at your church or that you meet in the community do not live in a nuclear family setting anymore
3: Mm -hmm. that's
2: that's a little shocking to me i think because sometimes we just assume if you see someone of a certain age they -hmm. probably live in a nuclear family home setting that's just not not true anymore Mm -hmm. no and so that to me affects.
1: Well, and I, I mean, when we talked about family, when I when we did introductions, I think it's for this. It's it's pertinent. I, I got married at thirty three, mm-hmm. as a so I lived a life as a single right adult mm-hmm. for quite some time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I lived by myself mm-hmm. uh, alone, but not lonely, right? For years and years. I mean, mm-hmm. really. And so, and I think my experience is not. I'm not the anomaly. Well, I didn't feel like a spinster. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of the people did but yeah. it, it was very normal and you know and and Ryan and I Ryan was a, exactly that a little over 29 when we got married which would be statistically exactly what right what we talked mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. America mm-hmm. would be and mm-hmm. I was a little bit older statistically mm-hmm. but i mean and i think we had i never felt like we had an abnormal path mm-hmm. but we had a whole swath of life where i would have demographically mm-hmm. been in that category that my parents necessarily weren't in That's you correct. know what i mean because so, in
2: my generation coming along you would have been an anomaly I us. would have been a spinster. I mean— We would have wondered. The,
1: I say maybe, the word are spinster. Are you ever going to get married? Are yeah, because I think— I read married? somewhere that spinster was when you turned 26. They started calling a woman a spinster in whatever whenever, whatever, whatever that era. just
0: seems so young. It does now. now. But
1: back in the day, of course, a 26-year-old single woman would have been like— She missed it. I mean, truly. Mm -hmm. And she's, if Mm -hmm. she can get any spouse, Mm -hmm. then she's lucky. Mm -hmm. We're 26 Mm -hmm. now. Is like, are you sure you're ready? I mean, it's just very different. The world has changed. It has. And I think that was one of the
2: things I just wanted to point out Sunday to our church that when you talk about family households in America, they're just really different. Mm -hmm. The complexion of them. So that's one thing just to. It's almost like that. You are here, map.
1: That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> you know, Not, yeah. Let's
2: just say this is where we are. Now we can think about yeah. and explore all the factors, which the you know the Census Bureau they they've published all these um, research documents to try to help us understand. Well, why is it? What's happened? What's led to, for example, baby boomers now occupying twenty two percent of adult health. I say baby boomers, the older end of baby boomers, sixty five and up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's really more than boomers because you have others who are way older than that but just that generation going forward from 65 up 22% of american households are headed now by that age group yeah that's also a drastic shift in other words we've gotten older in terms of who makes up our households
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the generation behind them is not filling in the gap so you've got this gap yeah. of adult households that's decreasing and then you've got the diminishing of 18 to 34 year olds in the last 10 years Have started new households less frequently than at any other time, and at least since Mm -hmm. we've been keeping records.
1: And you mentioned some very pertinent factors yesterday. Yeah, just the cost of housing being an an obvious one. Incredible. And in Arlington, for a single family home, just almost entry level is like, I'd say 300.
2: Which is shocking to a lot of people, and that's I not mean, going to be a nice home. It's yeah. not; it's, it's going to be a modest home
1: to people. And and right now, mm-hmm. I mean, the the mortgage. Let's just do the math on a three hundred thousand dollars home, even if you put twenty percent down. It's at least yeah. two thousand a month. Two thousand a month, right? For a small correct. Anyway, and that doesn't I, even begin to address a, the cost of child a, care. So yeah, yeah if, a if you're a factor. single twenty-six year old, you may want to live with your parents longer, right. right? Just to have a quality of life. And, of and any I know sort. people
2: joke about it and they make fun of you know that it's kind of the you know the. The, the point of a lot of jokes. But yeah. What's wrong with this generation? But the but reality I is, I just named some factors. Yeah, it's it student debt, mm-hmm. um, the pandemic. Uh, yeah, it's it's it. There are just factors at work right now that, to me, have changed the landscape. And I think we as church leaders have got to be honest about the the reality of what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. That helps us think through programming, ministry. How do we communicate the gospel in this setting? Yeah, knowing that. So, I wanted purposefully, I suggested to our media team, I wanted to show a clip from the Waltons in this first Mm -hmm. sermon. Because when I was a young kid watching the Waltons, it didn't feel um, weird Uh to me at all. You know, it felt like, oh, well, you know, this is how most of America probably Mm -hmm. lives. You know, you've got granddad and grandma, and the kids all hanging out and they're all working and they're the, the work ethic, you know, and they're, I mean, John Boy was an anomaly because he wanted to be a writer, not a farmer. So you heard that in that yeah. they were like, "Why'd you give him a field? He's not Never even going to use it." Yeah, you know, and uh, and then you got Grandpa defend him. He's the oldest grandkid, and Grandpa's like, "I named that field, John Boy Meadow, when he was born. Thank you very much, and I'm the patriarch of the family." Well, you know, I grew up in an era where Grandpa, you know, Granddad, my granddaddy, you know, he <laughs> when he wanted my granddad, and my grandmother, kind of we didn't live with them. But they were tone setters for us and we wanted to please them, you know. So I wanted to show that Sunday morning to say, okay, how many people in my just in my church that setting would seem normal to them? Mm. You know, it's very, we're very far removed from that world. And it's not that I see that as the ideal necessarily. I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that we're we're in a very different setting today. And so what does it mean to be healthy today? What does it mean to have a healthy family today? And so that's really where I was headed Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. just to open the conversation. And that's why I tried to talk about, I think, developing these partnerships in a family. I just think that's one of the core. That's the school of love. How do you connect to people? Well, you learn that at home, I think. And then the responsibility to provide for them. Mm -hmm. I've always felt that as a dad. And as a granddad, Mm -hmm. as a husband, Mm -hmm. a participant in my home, and then protection, I just think those are the core things that are supposed to happen with the family, and we all have to decide how to do that. So that's kind of what I was aiming at Sunday morning just to get the conversation launched. And we'll get more particular. You know, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about, um, you know, just how do you navigate the stresses that we experience in our families' lives. Mm-hmm. So um and again, it's not going to be a how-to series. That's not really what this is. It's more of an acknowledgement of <laughs> of just the reality of it all. And what what can we find from the scripture yeah. to give us some ideas how to creatively take them and place them in our own home setting. It's
1: good. When Jack when Jack Goodyear spoke to the college students years ago when I was college minister, I had him come speak on MLK. Um, but he said he said, sometimes we need to look, we need to step on the scale. Sorry, I'm I'm butchering this. Let me get, let me get Jack Goodyear's. I want to honor him with what I'm saying. Um, he said, sometimes we, we look at us ourselves and we say, well, that's not who I really am. Or you step on the scale and you see this weight and you say, well, that's not really me. But sometimes you need to look down and say, and acknowledge right. the scale says, this is where we are. So right. I think when we talk about family, there's that's a little right. bit of, You you want to say, that's not really me. Right. But then sometimes there's a very honest, like Mm -hmm. you're talking about you are here. Mm -hmm. Just start where you are. Right. But. That's what I always like.
2: You're not a huge baseball fan. You know that. Yeah. (laughs) Now, a golfer, when I got to where I couldn't play baseball anymore. But you think about when a batter walks up to the plate in baseball, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden on the screen, it'll say, you know, Dennis Wiles is batting 285. Yeah, all
1: your statistics.
2: And has this many strikeouts. And so you could go up there and go, hey, y'all, that's really not, I want y'all to know I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But,
1: but that's pretty honest <laughs> looking. Yeah. This is actually <laughs> yes. the record. That's what Deckardier <laughs> right? was trying to say. We want so, to be somewhere we're not. And sometimes we can say, that's yeah, not me. That's right. He was talking about just our views on social issues yeah. and things like that. Just and, be but, honest. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes you need to step on the scale and mm-hmm. the scale doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even if you want to be 125 right. pounds, mm-hmm. yeah. the scale... <laughs> skills gonna tell you yeah, where you like really this, are. These last
2: two, I've been to two golf tournaments last two week, the Masters, and then I went to the Corn Ferry Tour here in Arlington this week.
1: Well, don't forget the Restore and, Hope Golf and, Tournament and I boss. played in that one. I mean, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> your favorite of yeah, the three. But,
2: uh, <laughs> and let me just say, the level of golf between those three, pretty
1: even, um, pretty yeah. even, I'd say. Um, yeah,
2: but that's what I loved about going to these pro tournaments because you stand there and watch these guys hit golf balls and you think, okay, I I hit a golf ball too, but. I just don't hit it like that. Yeah. I, was, I was standing by the green uh, Saturday, and, uh, or Friday rather, here at the Corn Ferry Tour, and a guy, it was about a 375-yard hole. Well, this pro golfer, I'm standing on the side of the green. He drove the ball 10 yards from my feet. Well, I've played that golf course. I've been in that very spot, but not on my drive. I don't drive the ball 375 yards. I mean, my second shot where I missed the green, I might be there. So
3: yeah,
2: I'm just standing and he comes walking up with his caddy and says, says how you doing? I said, fine. How are you? He said, good. And I said, you know, I've been right there before. And he laughed. He said, really? I said, yeah, but not, on not in one hit <laughs> drive. <laughs>
1: okay. I'm not quite
2: used to that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a reality check. You know, yeah. I'm never going to be there in my drive. Yeah. And he just winked at me and went on and his ball up on the green, put it in a birdie, and walked to the next hole and I thought, and that, and that's how you do it, yeah, that's yeah. not how I do it, yeah, but that's
1: how it's done <laughs> so, well, yeah. anyway, we've talked about yeah. that. I just it's very important to me, and mm-hmm. I'm very glad that we're at a church where if we're going to talk about family, we're just talking about real life, yeah, where we're at, mm-hmm. and we're talking about yeah. God's ideal, and we will mm-hmm. of course, but it also lands among us and mm-hmm. other people, so and mm-hmm. I think
0: there's something profound about naming. Where we are, and I think that ties into this other piece that you talked about, and that's the acceptance piece. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. I think we need to probably dive
1: How deeper into we? acceptance, because mm-hmm. I think you're right, Luke and Dr. Wells. Um, it, the family. I mean, you said the family is a, a primary place of acceptance mm-hmm. where you learn acceptance. Mm-hmm. But when we say acceptance, I think some people can um, can bow up a little bit, mm-hmm. or or genuinely just ask, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because you also talked about protecting. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, I mean, here's a scenario. Sometimes accepting your crazy uncle mm-hmm. also means you're putting your kids at risk or something right. like that, mm-hmm. you know. And so where those things can be in balance with each other, mm-hmm. attention with each other. And also people do things that we don't accept. Mm-hmm. I mean, theologically, right. Right. practically. So right. where, when those come up against each other, how do you, mm-hmm. what do you do? Mm-hmm. There are things your family does that you can't accept. Mm-hmm. Yet mm-hmm. you want your family to be a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Right, there's tension there.
2: Yeah, and I, <clears throat> and I, I didn't really elaborate too much on it Sunday morning.
1: Good thing we have a podcast for yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but we're, we're you going tell
2: to tell us more about that. We'll tell talk me more, a more about, about acceptance as well uh, in the on and in further into this series. But I would say that <clears throat> I'll stand by what I said Sunday morning. I think the greatest gift that you give a human mm-hmm. being is that is acceptance. Mm-hmm. So when a when you're a parent and a child's born into your home. The 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 gift that you offer that child is more than love. I believe you accept that child, which means you embrace that child for who they are, their identity. You just said you've got three little ones. Okay, they're triplets. They are. Now they're not identical. Okay, Thank
1: that's God. what you told us. Thank God.
2: And um, <laughs> but they're very similar. They've got a lot of similar DNA. They've, I mean, in other words, they're 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 brothers.
1: Oh yeah.
2: However, <clears throat> I've grown up. I grew up with a, with at least one set of triplets hard to tell apart physically, but not in other ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, it was kind of fun. They were older than me and they played baseball with one of my brothers. And when we saw them in uniform, we knew who each one of them was because we knew what each one of them could do. Mm. You know, one mm-hmm. of them was a really good pitcher. The other two were terrible pitchers. And so we, we immediately recognized their individuality. So what I would say is what I mean by acceptance is you accept the individual for who they are and you form a deep bond of connection with them mm-hmm. based upon your acceptance, not upon their performance.
3: Mm.
2: Cause there's a difference, mm-hmm. you know, for example, I, um, um, uh, I really, really like, um, Bo Jackson. Okay. Because to me, he's the greatest running back in the history of college football and he just so happened to play for Auburn, mm-hmm. but I don't know him you as a person.
1: A little bit biased. Yeah, there. I don't know him
2: as a person, but I tell you this: I accept him because of his performance, and I cheered for him, and I loved him because of what he could do, mm-hmm. not because of who he was. I know no know. I have nothing to do with who mm-hmm. he is.
3: Yeah.
1: And but so you, if, you know uh, him also in a paradigm where performance is key. That's I right. mean, that's what it's, has, it's the main thing. You make there or is. break that team, that that's little right. family that's by exactly performance, right. right?
2: So a family's not a team, right? So if so, for example, if I'm if I'm managing a baseball team. And I really like Luke, and Luke is a good guy, and I appreciate Luke. But if I have Luke playing shortstop, and let's say Luke can't catch a ground ball, then— We if, don't have to well, make that hypothetical. Okay. I'm a horrible <laughs> baseball player. Well, guess what? <laughs> then yeah. you're not going to play shortstop for me. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't perform, so guess what? Yeah. You're out.
1: And the Because base, a baseball team isn't about exceptions. That's right.
2: So, but a family, to me, is different. Mm-hmm. You accept these individuals for who they are, and you form the deep connectivity— When they're young, Mm -hmm. and that's really what I was trying to talk about Sunday morning as parents, as siblings, the acceptance bond begins on day one. You just accept that child and you communicate that acceptance. You communicate the affirmation of who that child is as they continue to grow. Now, what I didn't mean Sunday morning, and we'll elaborate more on this, there will be times, though, when the behavior is unacceptable. Now, when they're young, your responsibility as parents is to help correct that. Don't touch that stove. If you touch that stove when it's hot, you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I say so. If you if you're a kid and you're reaching up to the top of the stove and I'm your dad, I'm going to pop your hand. I'm going to let you know this right here is painful, but it's nowhere near what it would be like if you grabbed mm-hmm. a hold of that stove, okay? Mm-hmm. My little girl one time ran out across the street because she was chasing a cat, okay? And we're looking for her, can't find her. And all of a sudden I look up and she's like three years old and she's across the street. So the only way to get across that street today Shreve, yeah. was to run across that mm-hmm. street. I didn't see her run across the street, but there's no other human being outside. So my first thing was panic because I'm looking at cars. So I run across the street to get her, make sure she's safe. I picked her up and told her, I love you and you you need to know. That you can't do this. I brought her back over into my yard, back into my house, and then I spanked her. Mm. And then I walked back out there and I said, Now look right here. You do not watch these cars. These cars don't see you. In other words, that physical little spanking I mean, it was, I wasn't the greatest spanker in the world, so I'm going to be honest with y'all. Okay, Cindy would probably be laughing right now saying, Yeah, the Dennis Wild spank was okay. Yeah, that feels accurate if I had to guess. But, you know, I was, but the point is, it was a little painful. And plus, it scared her when she saw how how panicked I was, that was hurtful too. But I had to share with her, it's not as hurtful as if these cars had run over you. You know, so I, as she starts to, as they, any of them start to get older, I have to, we have to address unacceptable behavior. We don't accept necessarily behavior, but we never deny the, the core acceptance, the core connectivity that we have with each other. So as children get older and parents have to deal with unacceptable, from their perspective, unacceptable behavior. Or as we deal with adults that we mm-hmm. believe are our family members. And yeah, that's where it gets a little trickier. And their un- the behavior there, is unacceptable. Can
1: I ask you, Dr. Yeah. Wells, is there a point in which you um, do not, do no longer extend acceptance? Absolutely. Well, I would and say what does this. that look like?
2: Well, here's what I would say. This is the way I've tried to do it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't mean to necessarily get too personal about your own right, parenting, sure. but more big picture, right, you know. Right.
2: And what I would say is, the way that I've tried to do this in general, not just with my own children or grandchildren, but with even family the, Even members theologically, people, you know. Theologically, whatever. Yeah. If there is something that becomes egregious or, you know, is so out of bounds. for Just truly our, unacceptable. Right, our yeah. morality.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I usually, I won't say usually, always begin by saying, I just want you to know I love you and you're always going to be my fill in the blank. That's There is nothing you can do to undo that. Mm. So that's that's just never going to change. But as long as this right here characterizes how you do things, you're not going to be welcome in our family circle. You're not going to be welcome in this picture mm-hmm. as long as that continues to define you. That doesn't mean that I still am, am I'm not connected to you. And I've proven that. Look, look at my track record. <coughs> how long Excuse have me. I demonstrated mm. to you that I accept you as my, Whatever it is, fill in the blank. <clears throat> but right now, this right here is too damaging. So I'm still accepting them, in my opinion, as a person, but I'm not accepting their behavior. And, yeah. I, and I do it sometimes out of protection, either for them, for me, or my family. family so, yeah. for example, <clears throat> I had a young man that I worked with years ago, and um, and unfortunately, he turned out to be a rapist. Hmm. Now, obviously, that is morally reprehensible. Okay? It is uh, something that I just have complete disdain for. I didn't. I didn't know his whole backstory. Didn't know anything about him. But as I got to know him, trying to minister to him, and be a part of his life. Well, eventually he gets arrested. Several things happen to him, and finally, you know, he attempts one. Uh, 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 he attempts to rape a young lady, and he's reached that point in the state of Texas to where you're done. You mm. you you you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison, and um, and so. He asked me to actually testify at his trial. So I went. And um, and so I, I did. I testified. And this judge sat there and listened as these lawyers asked me questions. You know, what do you think about this guy? Do you think this guy's redeemable? Well, my answer to that was, why would you ask a pastor if a person's redeemable? <laughs> Everybody's redeemable. Mm-hmm. So, of course. Well, that led this attorney to say, oh, so then you think he ought to go scot-free? I said, that isn't that isn't what you asked me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, well, you need to answer my question. So I, I finally, I got really frustrated and I looked at the judge and I said, I'm sorry, judge, can I just tell you something? Well, these two lawyers, were like, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, they were like, wait a minute. You know, so they both come up to the bench and, and the judge sent them back and he said, pastor, what would you like to tell me? I said, I called this young man by name. I said, I know this young man. I've ministered this young man
1: and I love him,
2: but he needs to go to prison. He can't do this.
1: That lawyer must have been uh, yeah. very disappointed <laughs> <Yeah>. in that. <laughs> yeah.
2: I just said, you can't, he's yeah. proven. And I said, and I told him, I said, judge, and I looked right at the young man. And I said, I've already told you this. And he nodded. I said, have I not said this to you? And he said, yes, pastor, you did. I said, you need to go to prison. I'm sorry, but hopefully we can find you a life there that's safe and somewhat productive somehow, but you've proven you can't live out here with us. And so that, I'm totally against mm-hmm. it. And judge, I'm telling you, I think this man needs to go to prison. So I'm sorry. I don't know what the decorum is in a courtroom, but I don't like being twisted around by these lawyers. Mm-hmm. And the judge sat there for a second. He said, I feel like a wind of fresh air has just blown into my courtroom. And, uh, <laughs> well, and he sent us this man to prison. Well, he knew, because I still saw him. He knew that I loved him. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to tolerate that kind of behavior does yeah. that make sense so and, well, I think it does make to sense communicate the
1: deep connection and I think it's very valuable yeah. for us to talk about the nuance because we you know in our own relationships mm-hmm. we have people we deeply love and want life with, mm-hmm. but sometimes there is something that keeps That's us right. from that, and I think in our world and our Christian um friendships, we often err on the side of just Oh, come on in yep. forgiveness right. it's okay don't yeah it's okay. It. it's okay and and I think it's good for uh, for us to hear from our pastor mm-hmm. and, and a spiritual authority mm-hmm. that sometimes you just can't live life with people and that's it's right. okay that's right and that doesn't mean even who they are in Christ we still accept mm-hmm. but practically you don't right. want them in your home right. you can't live life with them they've that's proven right. you can't live life with them and that is okay that's right
2: it's kind of like you know <clears throat> in John 8 store story of the woman called uh, calling adultery mm-hmm. okay now, that that particular text is not in our oldest Greek manuscripts, but it's in a number of Greek manuscripts. And so the story of Jesus
1: mm-hmm. addressing
2: this woman to me is, is consistent enough, and it was told enough to obviously, it eventually was included in some of John's mm-hmm. Gospels.
1: Yeah, we can trust it. And it's I think that it
2: <clears throat> is certainly consistent with who we know Jesus to be. But even in that story, <clears throat> if you remember, it's not like she got off scot-free. Because I think people misunderstand that sometimes. Yeah, we focus
1: on the, let Mm -hmm. he who is without sin cast (laughs) the first stone. stone. That's certainly what we've taken from it. That's right. But he looked at her, remember? But there are more words at Jesus' mouth. And and sin sin
2: no more. And sin no more. In other words, Mm -hmm. to me, that was acceptance as a person, but not a behavior. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus somehow was able to demonstrate acceptance without toleration. And I think there's a difference. I would say the same thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness and toleration. Are- <coughs> Sorry, we're an are we in allergies. I was supposed to apologize for all right. allergies in the beginning. We all have allergies We all here. have something but going except, on, yeah. I mean, forgiveness and toleration are two different things. I can forgive you and then choose not to tolerate your behavior anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of connected. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I wanted to yeah. make sure that people understood <clears throat> for me Sunday morning. These babies that come into our homes, that's why I tried to point out the fact that little Gideon, Now he's getting more animated and more fun to be with. But I'm talking about as a baby, you know, can not do anything. Mm-hmm. But, it, but he's not there to perform for me. That's not how he gains my love and affection. He is my grandson. I accept him day one for who he is. And I'm going to do everything I can to be a part of his life as a grandfather. And love him and bless him. However, just like any situation, hopefully, you know his life will be in line with with what we all believe and hope for and hope for the best. Um, but I would just say that's to me he doesn't have to perform to gain my approval and my affection. You just get that because you're mm-hmm. mine. That's the kind of acceptance mm-hmm. I was talking about.
3: Mm-hmm. Hope that yeah. makes
2: sense. Yeah, I think, I it think it that's a good nuance.
0: I think it's a recognition of the image of God in people. We accept that. We accept them because they are people made in God's image, and we give yeah. them love because of that.
1: And that can ever be taken away, mm-hmm. even, right. by, even by their right. even by egregious because behavior. Love
2: can be transactional. Love can be conditional. I mean, there's so many ways that love can be fleeting. I just, I just think I'm I'm nervous about always using the word love and act like everybody understands it. It makes mm-hmm. me a little nervous because well, love we just throw that word around too in much. English is. It's yeah. fluid
0: everywhere. Yeah, there's a Danish philosopher named Kierkegaard, and he talked about love as a duty. go on, Luke. Go on, mm-hmm. Luke. And so we have a duty to love. I mean, so love is a choice. It is an emotion, but there's mm-hmm. also this. And it sounds very unromantic to talk about the duty of love. Well, um, sometimes that's good to it is take good. it away from romance. I mean, it is sometimes we, love is not very romantic, not sure and right. sometimes it's commitment mm-hmm. and yeah. active choice. If, and if
1: you think about babies, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm up, I'm up at three thirty almost every night, right? Because I love I. It, the duty to love my yeah. children, obviously. I'm but what if every,
2: every child in Arlington, I don't, I don't know about the whole world, just Arlington. What if every child in Arlington felt accepted by mm. their parents and the most significant people in their lives?
3: Mm.
2: Can you imagine how that would affect our, our schools tomorrow? If, if they just knew that not that, their, everything they did behaviorally was mm. was accepted. But just if they just knew at their core. That they were accepted. They were accepted. They were valued. They were heard. What, what a difference that would make, in my opinion, in in my city. Yeah. And so what I would say is, okay. What a mission. Let's do it. Right. I can't do it for everybody. Let's but try. If anybody's connected like to us Wiles, I'm just telling you right now if if you're part of my family, my tribe, I'm gonna accept you. I just am because that's a powerful gift. And to me, that gives me the credibility to address unacceptable behavior. Yeah. But if everything's based on performance, then conversations about unacceptable behavior take on a whole nother complexion, mm-hmm. I think. And mm-hmm. and lead to a level of brokenness that um that I just think is is damaging. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be mature enough to figure out how to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And
3: And we need God's wisdom. Yeah,
2: And I think that's why, y'all, the story of the prodigal son is so powerful. I remember when I was younger, when I was your age, Luke, as a dad, I just couldn't, I'd hear all the you know, I'm preaching. Everybody's telling me the prodigal son is the greatest story ever. And I'm thinking, well, here's the deal. What about it? Why don't you go get your son? Mm-hmm. What are you doing waiting on the porch? You think I'm going to wait on the porch for my son? Mm.
3: You
2: you think you could keep me from going to get my son? I dare you. Mm. I'll tell you right now. I will run over you get my son. And it always bothered me. And so I would carry this guilt in the back of my mind. I would even tell the Lord sometimes after preaching on the prodigal son, I'd say, Lord, I'm sorry, because this story right here just bothers me. And I don't like it. (laughs) You know, so, you know, I'm, 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 reading all the theology of the prodigal son, looking at paintings and going, yes, yeah, great dad. <laughs> Tell you right now, that story turned out really different if Dennis Wiles was in the, well, guess what I learned? You can't force them to come home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You can go get them. They'll just leave again.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I had to learn though, but if they know deep down, if they know deep down, right at the very core of who they are, they're accepted. At some point, what you got to hope for is they're going to want to come home. Mm. And to me that's the point of that that's the power of that so that mm-hmm. that dad's love was and acceptance I would say was so strong it went all the way to the pigsty yeah. and that little boy woke up one day as a grown man and went, "You know what I'm going home, and he did that to me is the power of acceptance, yeah, and so it's real to me and and but if you haven't communicated that. <clears throat> You know, then if they, if these children think they're performing for us, we have to correct that as the responsible adults. Mm. And I would just say to every parent out there, you need to communicate acceptance to your children. You just mm. do. You need to let them know, you know what? You are my. You will always be mine no yeah. matter what, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. Yeah. I want you to know something. You will always be mine, always. And I'm always going to be here for you. Mm-hmm. I may not like what you do. I may not agree with it but you'll never change this deep connection we have right now. there's nothing you can do to undo it. you just can't do it
0: um we do uh and i stole this from the book we're reading for the du- dudes being dad's group but i've been doing it for over a year with evelyn and i'm working on coaching lucy into it she's not she's three so things are more <clears throat> fluid <Yeah>. with her <laughs> but we do this routine every night uh evelyn lays down in her bed um and we kind of have this script that we do and so i Look at her and I say, Can you see my eyes? And then she says, Yes. And then I say, Can you see that I can see your eyes? And she says, Yes. And sometimes she hides because she's a kid and kids are <laughs> right. nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I say, Do you know, no matter what good things you do, I will always love you. And then she says, Yes. Do you know, no matter what bad things you do, I will always love you. And if you've ever put children down at mm-hmm. bedtime, you right. know that inevitably something bad has happened <laughs> before you <laughs> right. got to that point. <clears throat> and then I say, Do you know who else loves you like that? And then she says, God. Uh, And I say, go to sleep thinking about God's love. Um, That's a great word. And we've been doing that for a year. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's good for me as a parent because Mm -hmm. if you've ever raised toddler girls, there's a good chance you've been slapped in the face at some point Mm -hmm. Um, or you've been yelled at or (laughs) there's been some fight. But to Mm -hmm. sit down and look at your child's eyes and just say, no matter what you do, I love you. Mm -hmm. And the fact that our love as parents is supposed to teach our kids what God's love is like has been a good lesson for me when I get mad at my kids Mm -hmm. because inevitably inevitably I do. I got mad at them this morning. Of course. Um,
2: As you should. As I should. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But to ground them in that love. But I think if you are not a parent Mm -hmm. out there, you aren't married. I think every human being wakes up every morning looking Mm -hmm. for acceptance. I agree. Mm -hmm. And we're hungry for Mm -hmm. it. I mean… Church. I haven't been in ministry as long as you have, but people come into church every Sunday, mm-hmm. just wanting
2: to know that they are accepted and loved and valued
0: and
1: seen. Mm-hmm. And seen, mm-hmm. people want. to I think to part be of acceptance seen. is yeah. being seen too.
2: It so, is those videos you watch of like sometimes they'll show a little kid up in the choir, and you can see he or she they're looking, and when they see their parents, they're like they're just they just respond yeah. because they're being seen, they're being valued. Mm-hmm. Let me just think about right now. Every wayward daughter or wayward son, the power of a parent sitting down and looking that child in the eyes and saying, I want to tell you something. I hope you already know this, but if you don't, and I realize right now we're at odds, maybe we're estranged, but I just want you to know something. You're mine. You will always be mine. And there's just nothing you'll ever do to sever that tie. And I'm always going to care about you. I'm always going to be worried about you. I'm always going to be praying for you. I'm always going to be here for you because you know what? You're mine. And I love you. And there's nothing you can do that will ever change that. And if you think there is, you're just wrong. And I want you to know. I'm looking at you right now telling you you're mine. And I treasure who you are. I'm, I'm just saying, man, I just think it's powerful.
1: Well, let me take a second. Um I'm going to take a second. As you know, I'm very egalitarian and I mean I really am. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan and I have a, what we consider before God a very uh equal relationship mm-hmm. and we partner together in all areas of life and that is how we do it and we think that's biblically accurate and mm-hmm. blah, 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 whatever. But I will say to y'all as fathers that what you're doing for your kids, it's irre- it's something about the dad, it's irreplaceable. And we, not everyone has a strong mom. I don't mean it like that, but a lot of people do. And and you can't, man, if you don't, and if you don't have a good mom, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But to have a strong dad that looks you in the eyes and says, I love you, can communicate, can communicate their emotion. And you, you do somehow, we both do, but the dad represents the love of God mm-hmm. in a way that the, the, the mom can't get there. I mean, then that's why. We're egalitarian, but we still affirm traditional view of marriage. It's it's a narrow road to walk, but I walk it, and I think mm-hmm. it's, it makes God proud. Yeah, but I think okay. I'll just say to y'all that you're affirming your kids that way and able to talk about your emotion. It It's forming your children in a way that is not normal mm-hmm. <laughs> right now in our society. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's very valuable. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening as a male, I'll say, uh, one— if you're younger and have kids in the home, join the dad dudes being dads group. We'd love to have you. Because there's no greater gift you can give your kids than this, period.
2: 100% agree, Katie.
1: But <clears throat> I think um, just for y'all, I just want to say to our people and it's just for me to y'all, um, y'all are being exceptional dads still and now granddads. And it shapes your family in a way that the moms can't. And I say that as one who has a really high view of my own leadership in my home. Do you know what I mean? Right. We're and I'm, and I'm shaping my kids in a way that Ryan can't. I was going to say. You have
2: a way to do it that we can't do Yeah.
1: And, and I think that is a very blurred mm-hmm. line. So that's what I don't want to – you know, I'm not a stay-at-home right. – I, I really value my stay-at-home mom friends. But I think there's a, a wide swath where a woman can – uh, be and exist in the world. There's a wide swath that a man can be and exist mm-hmm. in the world. But there's something about a dad tucking his daughter in mm-hmm. and saying these things that is shaping their view of God Absolutely. and shaping their view of themselves in a way that is um, exceptional. Mm-hmm. Luke and I think it's exceptional, exceptional. Mm-hmm. Doctor Wiles. Yeah. and memorable. When hope. you when you sit down, we hope so. And 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 when men communicate their emotions <laughs> to their children, it's mm-hmm. rare. Mm-hmm. Y'all know this, mm-hmm. and so I'm very proud to work and live with y'all, and I appreciate it very much. I really Thank do. You. So.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been one of our longest podcasts <laughs> yeah, to date, sorry. <laughs> which I don't think is – I think we'll have a hard time not doing that with yeah. like this series. Um,
1: Kyle, could you go back and add some flair halfway through just to keep people entertained? <laughs> um, no.
0: But if you're if you're still here, uh, my challenge to you would be, parent or not, if you are a parent, demonstrate your acceptance and your love to your children, even if your children are 60 years old. That's right.
1: It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't
0: matter. You're born you only get, looking for it. You
1: only get one mom. You only That's get right. one dad. Yeah. You know. But if, if you by the grace of God, you actually get a few yeah, more if you need yeah. to. But.
3: if you
0: are not a parent, if you're not married, who are the people in your life that you can look at and see mm-hmm. and accept because they belong to God? That's right. And maybe they're a part of your church. Your church is your family. That's a biblical image. Mm-hmm. Who can you accept in that family and show that acceptance to? If you have a biological family, or maybe not a biological family, but you're together, yeah. Show that acceptance. Show that love. People need it. Yep, mm-hmm. and, and that can
1: look like. Uh, pausing to look someone in the eyes calling them by name Uh I mean there are small things you can do in the day day to day that make people feel valued seen and accepted so amen it's wonderful
0: okay well thanks for listening everyone to the longest tell me more yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) time flies when you're talking about family it does thank you thanks To the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.